Welcome to The Positivity Effect, where paying it forward and doing something positive in someone's life can provide them with the confidence and motivation to do the same for someone else. Like a stone dropped into a lake, let's create a ripple effect of positivity throughout our world. And it begins with your host, Dr. Thomas Retcher. Hey, what's going on, guys? Dr. Tom here, and you're listening to The Positivity Effect, episode number 117, The Beauty in Broken. Thank you so much for tuning into today's show. To receive my insights from this episode, text the word POSITIVITY to the number 44222. So I decided to name the episode The Beauty in Broken because my guest, Gary Gennetti, is a professional glassblowing artist. He's been honing his skills for the past 40 years, and he's going to share today how important it is to follow what you love, to do what you love, to be open to opportunities, and to keep following your dreams when life gets difficult. We're going to talk about some of his local and global initiatives that he's been working on and what he has in the pipeline, and I'm just excited to bring this conversation to you guys. It was a treat, really honestly, a true treat to sit down someone like himself, an honest, hardworking, and talented artist. And I know that you're going to enjoy this episode. So help me welcome him now to the positivity effect. Gary, what's going on? Hey, I'm hanging here in Warwick, New York, you know, on a rainy day talking to you. And I'm hanging here in Long Island, New York <laughs> on a rainy day. I guess the weather pattern was uh, was big enough to blanket over the two uh, We need it out here, too. It's been really drought level of uh, lack of rain so it has it has and I, I would i don't know i just i love new york because yeah we have the seasons i like having seasons like having beautiful weather year-round is awesome but sometimes you want a little you know you want a little cold <laughs> yeah I, I understand that i grew up in wisconsin so i know i know cold weather and uh learned to enjoy it and uh winter is actually one of my favorite times of the year actually i was actually talking to somebody today i i came across a friend of mine and they were saying we were talking about the Olympics, and he's like, you know what, I, I just, I love the Winter Olympics so much more than the Summer Olympics. And he's like, he's like, I just can't put my thumb on it. It's something that is like Nordic. He's like, I, just, I don't know why. And he's, I was like, I agree. You know, I like to sit and just have my hot chocolate and sit back and watch it. And he's like, I don't, know, I don't know if that's the reason, but I, <laughs> I grew up on a lake in Wisconsin, so ice skating and skiing. They were all, all the winter sports were a lot of fun, and, and the summer was great too. But. Uh, I particularly enjoyed ice skating. Uh, I have these images of myself. There's times of the year, some in the early part of the year, uh, winter. Uh, if if the weather conditions are correct, you can the ice will melt on the or freeze on the lake as smooth as glass. Oh And wow. you can see through, see it to the bottom through the ice. And I just have these visions of myself, you know. Uh, memories, you know, of skating over this, skating on the surface of the water, you know. And, any 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 ice hockey? Uh, I didn't play hockey. I mean, we just uh, for whatever reason, hockey was not a gr- a big sport when I was you know I grew up in high school. I was in the '60s, and uh, hockey has just grown tremendously since that day. You know, but uh, you know, it was late only later in my high school years that hockey was even offered as a sport. So we did racing, ice racing, <laughs> That's the, awesome. the long blades. You know the you know. Um, 
that was much more popular, and I did that a little bit and enjoyed you, it. You did speed skating before speed it was skating, cool. Yeah. Before yeah. it was cool in the Olympics. That's awesome. Right. Well, you know, just a just an honor, Gary, to have you on, and you know, um, I guess it's always good to uh, to always show some gratitude uh, for there was a you know a mutual individual that that connected us, and we wouldn't be having a conversation if it wasn't for that. So shout out to Hans and. Uh, yeah. You know, it's just it's just wonderful. That's that's the the beauty in life is, is connecting with people. At the end of the day, we all have so many gifts to ha- share and have, and we share them by by through other people through connecting. And so, absolutely, and we need more and more of that in my mind. You know, to bring people together, and and even if it's a one on one that's that reaches other people, uh, that's so important in the world today to use utilize the new technologies that we have to really. Yes. Really amplify our voices of positivity, right? That's right. That's right, guys. We are on the positivity effect. Yeah. <laughs> and guys, you know, we always I always remind you that when we talk we think of the positivity effect, it's not about smiling in the face of whatever you're going through. Um it's just about reminding yourself that that you can always focus on the good. You have as a human being, we have the ability, we have the the wonderful gift to take action we we're, we can take action in our lives every single day and also we have choice and we can't control circumstances of of how you know, we can work so hard at something and and maybe we don't get that job or whatever the case may be but what you can you can do is you can choose what that means to you what every situation in life means to you and it's it's i think it's so powerful that we have that ability to do that to be able to just say you know what I, i'm not going to let that control me in that way i'm going to take that and and learn from that experience absolutely that's a that's a great very very good perspective on life and i i was thinking before the before we got together here about the word positivity and it can be interpreted in two uh two shades i would say one is this joy great everything's going along smooth you know and it's you're having a lot of fun in life and and then the other side is more of an affirmation positivity affirmation of something more uh, deeper meaning in our lives that that really uh, is there in good times and bad times we can always affirm this deeper meaning to who we are and how we relate to the world and that, that to me is uh, an even broader uh, view of what the word positivity is about yeah like it's like a, a deeper joy almost mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and of being alive. Of being alive, yeah. <laughs> Life is up and down. You know, I can I can tell you stories about that. But uh, you know, if you have that inner the inner strength, the spirit to of uh, positivity, the spirit of affirmation, you're you. It's like you're on the side of just like you said, kind of an active side. You you uh, you don't just sit back and be the victim. You take what comes your way and you make the best out of it, and use all of yourself to make the best out of it, and that. That wholesomeness to life is just it, it has rewards way beyond uh, what what we think of in the moment sometimes is just having the you know a good feeling yes yes and it's growth and i'm I'm inspired by you Gary because you you are you with some you know amazing gifts that you have and, and and hard work that you put into your life and your career and a way that you're sharing it in a way that we're, we're going to talk about later on in this in this interview but I want to get into a little bit about because you have an incredible guys. We didn't even mention it yet. So Gary is an artist, and the type of artist is he works with glass. It's very interesting. Um, so before we 
really get into some other of my questions. Gary, how did you get started as an artist? How did you get started working with class? Well, uh, I uh, went to art school but didn't study anything to do with class. Uh, it uh, did a lot of work in the uh, casting and sculpture and some graphic work. And then when I got out of school at uh, University of Wisconsin, I came out east to uh, just – I had $500 in my pocket, a Volkswagen Beetle, and everything I wanted to take with me and uh, just hit the road. And it was one of those adventure stories at that time, you know, uh, and had some friends out here. I stopped stopped in Warwick, actually, where I live now, and uh, really didn't care what I did. I, was, I pruned apple trees for my first uh, job here. Because it was, a, I came in the winter time, and that was something you could do in the winter time. I didn't mind being out there at the top of a tree, at the top of a hill, with the wind blowing <laughs> and uh, on the freezing, top. <laughs> freezing temperatures. On the top it was of something life, like the you know the the, the mountain man in me, you know. Yes, <laughs> yes. Did you have it? Did you have? A, did you have an epic beard at the time? I did. As a matter Excellent. of fact, I had beers before they were epic. You know, you know my, my wife, I just got married in September, and she tells me all the time, she gives me like little funny text message, like memes and reminders how having a beard is so much more attractive. And I'm always like, all right. I, I always tell her, I'm going to grow, you know, I'll, I'll do the little thing. I'll do the, you know, the the, uh, um, the five o'clock shadow, you know, and then I always shave it off. And she's like, why did you shave your beard? <laughs> No, we didn't do beard like beards back you then. Didn't, no, 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 no. Just the, the full thing, you know. And yeah, you'd yeah. have to get the frost on your mustache and the whole thing. But anyway, I, I met a, I met another guy. There was kind of a little, uh, actually, a spiritual community out here that I was visiting, and uh, they were kind of back to the landers and many people from all over the world and uh, had collected here in this little town and where, you know, of course there wasn't much work unless you had uh, basic skills, but so a lot of us ended up pruning trees just to get by. Uh, and he was a French uh, from France and he had a painting background. He had this idea that of blowing glass, using hot glass. So uh, he went upstate to Rochester and studied six weeks at another artist's studio and came down here and said, let's, you know, I, neither one of us were cut out to be doing what we were doing forever, you know. And uh, he needed help doing it and uh, learning the process and setting up a furnace and a lot of the equipment we had to build ourselves. So some of my training in furnace work with the foundry work and bronze casting came in handy. And uh, we started in this little garage, shell of a garage, no doors, no windows, just plywood and a roof. And uh, we'd, do, we'd work during the day and then come there and practice at night. And at that time, this was uh, 1977. And uh, it was there were so few people doing it that we we just came up with some ideas and applied to shows, craft shows, and went out and just we could make a basic living uh, right away. Did, um, did you did you know that you were going to be you know doing going going at this for for the next forty years, or, or were you just like you know what I got I got oh. my I got my friends I got my my <laughs> epic beard I got <laughs> blowing some glass this is all awesome. absolutely not there was no idea in my mind that this would ever <laughs> turn out to be anything. Uh, none of us, I'll tell you, none of the people that were doing it that time ever thought it would be a career or it was just something cool to learn. And, uh, you know, it was an adventure. Uh, it was a happening thing. It was a movement. The American craft movement was just, just at its beginnings. And there were people that started a few years before that were doing very well. And we said, okay, we can, you know, the, 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 we couldn't make it fast enough. We couldn't make, in that time, it was more gifts as we were learning our skills. 
we were able to uh, learn as we went along, making small gift items, perfume bottles, paperweights, and just taking them right to shows and selling them retail. Uh, otherwise, we, we did one or two shows a year that galleries and craft shops from all over the country would come here, up in Rhinebeck, New York, and then down in Baltimore, and we'd have work for the year. So it really was uh, really just blossoming for many of us. And uh, he, uh, the guy Patrick, the man I live, worked with, he he got frustrated. He said it, 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 he couldn't. It's a very hands-on skill, uh, very yeah. a lot of dexterity, glassmaking, and uh, he just couldn't grasp it. And he quit after a year and a half. And I just kept going and never looked back, and um, kept going along, along with many. Uh, other craft artists across the country and uh, uh, developed my skills and then it was part of, partly it was moving craft media were moving into the art world and I kind of followed along. Glass was at the forefront of that and still is. And, uh, the last part of the 20th century probably the dominant movement in the arts would, would be the craft media moving into the art world and being accepted as artistic uh, media, you know, sculptural media or, you know, particularly glass was not considered a sculptural process at all. It was stuck in factories all over the world. And who would, it was considered to do it on a garage level or a studio level? <laughs> they couldn't believe it, you know. I mean, this was, how can you, how can you control it? You know, you can't. It's just, but you have a lot of fun with it. So we did. We had a lot of fun with it and, um, and it, it, it uh, was rewarding at the same time. So I, made my career with it for almost 40 years now it, there's a, it's always a plus when there's a little green coming your way with with what you love to do <laughs> yeah well it, it, for glass you have to because it was uh it's it's an expensive craft you have a furnace that runs 24 7 on propane gas or natural gas and uh you really you know we needed to uh have a, a constant cash uh reward income you know to to keep it going and even in what's happened is that on a studio level, it's it's probably the most inefficient way to uh, be a glassmaker because it's one or two people working when in a factory there can be working 24 hours a day, you know, with different shifts. But in a studio level, uh, it's hard to, uh, even with smaller scale equipment, uh, it's it's not as efficient as it could be. And it's more di much more difficult now. That model has kind of uh, individual working in glass with this one or two assistants has is not nearly as feasible as it used to be when we were first starting. Just as a quick aside, thinking of entrepreneurship, entrepreneurship, the, the word today, it's it's a hot buzzword. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur. I heard I heard somebody on a podcast say the other day that it's like it's like the new rapper. Everybody wants to be an entrepreneur and Mm -hmm. I think what you, your career, it's a beautiful lesson of what it means to be an entrepreneur in the terms of when you are passionate about something, you're not just like, okay, I'm going to jump into this. I'm going to make some money and do it. You believe in your craft and you, there's, there's heart, there's, there's soul, there's energy that is probably put into every piece of glass that you make. And when you make, when you do that, when you believe in your mission, when you have, not not necessarily a brand, but there's branding is important too. But just the energy, really, that's the word mm -hmm. that, that is put into that. People see that, and then there there naturally is an exchange. Absolutely, of money. I mean, we never, uh, I never personally looked at it as a as I, I made. I was happy making a really basic living as a single guy, and then I got married, had kids, and a house, and everything. And my uh, glass just kept following along. I was able to expand it 
for my needs. And I, I never looked at it as anything more than meeting my needs because I love what I do. And uh, I felt uh, I was more than rewarded, actually, from because of that perspective, I think. If you went into it for the money, uh, there were people who did that, but uh, they got big because the market encouraged you to get big, have a, basically have a factory and small factory making making gift items and and it was you became a businessman you no longer you were telling other people what to do and managing people rather than the hands-on work and I just could never I had opportunities along the way to give that up and expand and you know teach other people how to do it and then run a business like that and I just love the hands-on part of it so much I love the making and that that to me is what kept me directed toward being an artist with it where and I got rewarded uh, in the year 2000. I had a piece featured on the cover of Smithsonian Magazine, and then a piece acquired by the National Museum of American Art in Washington. So wow. that was set, certainly a, every time I would start to waver and say, "Well, maybe I should, you know, become a factory <laughs> to gift things." Something like that would happen, and I say, "No, no, I'm I'm meant to be uh, I'm meant to be an independent artist with this." And that, uh, so it was really that connection to not just the you know the art world so called whatever that is it's really person to person as you meet people i was an sh- extremely shy person when i was growing up i in fact in kindergarten my kindergarten teacher th- sent a note home they think they think young gary is is a deaf mute you know he doesn't <laughs> he doesn't say anything and he doesn't seem to respond to anybody he just stands there you know that's because and, uh, gary was building some amazing Amazing thoughts in his head about that's about right. That's <laughs> Something right. was happening inside for sure. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, it uh, it's really taught me the, the the value of an exchange with other people. And my work is really I I sign it as if it's my own. But it's really that I was able to join a community of people, not just other makers and artists, but but an audience. I mean, we built that up as we went along. Many people in the '60s that grew up. In the 70s, would have, they received this vicarious enjoyment. They would have loved to do this alternative lifestyle at the time, and, but they couldn't, for whatever reason, they weren't confident enough in themselves, and they would, went became a banker or, you know, whatever, a businessman. And, but they were our market. They just, because that was what uh, they would, they loved to encourage somebody out there living this independent lifestyle, uh, doing what they, following their passion, doing what they like, and, and, and being have yet and aiming at a middle class lifestyle. I mean, it, is, it was unheard of in art history. If you look back, mm. you'd have to go pretty far back in history to, to find a time where it was possible for someone to be independent uh, without any large patronage from the church or big families, you know, uh, or you know, appealing to extremely wealthy people. I started from people. Uh, buying gifts and then just work my way up into the art world. It was a tremendous opportunity that a lot of us had, not just myself. And that's the power of community. The power of building a community that is responsive to what uh, what uh, a group of us were doing. And that still happens. It's still possible. The internet makes that a big possibility. A community can be global now. Yes, absolutely. There's so so much opportunity. A big, a big takeaway, I think, for me just from what you described is is that you really followed your purpose you follow you had a very solid why 
even if maybe throughout those these last 40 years if you knew yes this is my why like it was there you you knew that that you love to do this mm-hmm. and maybe in the past guys if you feel opportunities were lost or you don't have and you like you feel that you've settled in life you have to think about it today that there's just it's just an incredible amount of opportunity the the world is more connected than it has ever been in the time of human beings living and i i challenge you if if you feel that you're you're living some sort of mediocre life right now or there there's something that you want to do and it's just on that should list just to to not stop dreaming to keep thinking about don't keep that dream alive whether you're just getting into the working world whether you're 18 year, years old whether you've been working for 40 years whether you're now retiring whether you're retired whether you feel that you have uh, not much time left on it, on this earth we have so much potential every single day and if there's something there's something that you're thinking about you're thinking about it for a per- for a reason and it's it's something that you want to do so I just challenge you to to not let those dreams die, and whether whether it's a financial reason and you want to jump in to do something and you just feel you can't because you'd have to support your family otherwise, there's 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 um there's 24 hours in a day, <laughs> and uh, there's time you could find I'm sure uh, to 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 carve out during your day to to map out and and really visualize, hey this is something I, I want to do and I want to pursue, whether it's just going to be a hobby in your life or maybe a, a whole shift or a career shift. So Gary, I just, you know, I'm, I hats off to you. I'm inspired by you that, that you followed this. Uh, yeah, in your whole I, life. I, w- I, w- I would just chime in exactly with what you said. Cause I, I see myself in the past as a pretty mediocre artist in some ways. I, what it's just that I kept going with it and was, and listened to people and listened to my community and, that openness. I mean, art, art, being an artist, people—it's kind of a highfalutin term in many ways. <laughs> it's, it's not all <laughs> you can call yourself anything you want in in the arts, but it can be intimidating to many people. Oh, you were born with talent, or you have this. But I, I stand here, sit here, but uh, I am test. I would testify that I was not born with a lot of talent in the arts, but I did have a wish to do it and to. Uh, and I was encouraged by my mother initially, and then from then on, you know, I was able to follow it up. But uh, I, I would just say to people, don't be intimidated by your, uh, the word creativity or artist or anything, because I I firmly believe all of us have that in, inside if we can open up to it. Yes, talent. Yeah, that's an interesting word because I'll share a little bit uh, about myself. I'm I'm a musician. Uh, on the side I, I play at church and I sing and I it's just a way for me to express myself and when I let's see going back into elementary school I, you know you when you, you get into elementary school they're like pick it pick an instrument so I, I picked the drums and I played drums for many years and I loved it I enjoyed it but I never felt there was never really like this innate talent what it was because I saw kids that would excel beyond what I did because they were more into playing drums than I were, or they had a drum set at home and they were practicing more. They were just working at it more than I was working at it. And where that concept of what you just described, of you just you, you considered yourself mediocre and you just kept working at it, and that's where the magic happened, and you had your, your ears were open to what people were telling you, was when I started singing. I, I never thought that that I would be able to sing, and whenever I 
I'm, I'm a very rambunctious person. My, my mother used to always say, I don't know where you came from. <laughs> I, was the, I was the one singing in the, in the shower and um, making funny th- sounds and imitating movies at home. But I never had a, a singer's voice. I was always off key. And my brother's like, don't quit your day job. Even though I was 12 years old, I wasn't working yet. But he, Tom, don't quit your day job. <laughs> and uh, I just, one day I had joined a band. I just, it was, a, you know, I made a shift. I hope the door opened. You always, if a door opens, guys, walk through it. You never know what's going on the other side. And uh, I started playing, and I remember just really saying to myself, I really enjoy this. I love singing. And I picked up a guitar, and I started playing along with the guitar. And now it's a, it's been about seven years that I've been singing, and I play at church. And I only can contribute my voice to where it is. And I, I still don't think I have a great voice or contribute to that it being better. And that when people at the end of church, they come up and they say, hey, the song that you guys sang that really stirred my my affections, it stirred my soul, it, it, it was beautiful, it opened me up, is is to my work ethic towards singing. I, I don't have much free time because of work and, and everything else I'm doing. And, and when I'm singing is when I'm commuting on my way to work. I have CDs that I listen to in the car and I spend an hour practicing every day. And that's where that comes from. I don't think I was just born as a natural innate singer. It, it came from, I, I enjoy this, I love it. And let's just start working at it and see where this goes. Yeah, the feelings. What the feelings teach talent in a way. The feelings of joy and 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 enjoying the moment and being in the moment to to catch the to not. Uh, we have this mind that kind of judges all the time. It's always like criticizing in many ways, and and to kind of uh, give that a break every once in a while and just feel good about what you can do. Uh, those are. And we get educated out of that, unfortunately, and much of our education kind of takes that possibility away, and at least in the arts and, and even in church. You know, it's a great example because you're encouraged to express something deeper inside that uh, is there for all of us. I really believe it's an abundant spirit out there, abundant life, that if we touch it, uh, in our, allow room for it in, in ourselves and don't stomp it out with these... Uh, inner criticisms I think that it's a great thing oh yeah you know we we're, we're our biggest critic it's like once you do something you, you're the person inside your head is saying what's next I I, I did it what's next and we yeah. that's what we tell ourselves and I like that phrase you just said stomp it out you know we start off guys so innocent in life what was that moment in life where that that flame inside of you was stomped out or or, or are you on fire for life right now or are you are you struggling? It gets stomped out because we allow our environment, we allow our circumstances. We we feel that we're a product of our circumstances. We're, we feel that we're a product of our upbringing, a product of, of who we hang out with. And, and we certainly can be, but that doesn't mean that that is ultimately who we are. We choose. That's what we're going back to what we said earlier about that choice. You have a choice to not to say, no, I am not a product of this. And yes, I have this dream, and I'm going to pursue it, no matter what people say, no matter how much money I may lose. I'm going to pursue it. Yeah, that's. I mean, and there's a lot of support, more and more support for that. The life hacking, you know, the the disrupting, and all these ideas that are coming out of the culture that uh, seem seem uh, uncomfortable at first for many people, but they're really starting to show uh, uh, positive effects in our life. 
in the cultural life. You know, the, it's being embraced by even businesses now. Are saying we need to be innovative. We need to have a disruptive attitude and not not say it's a gonna, that it's this way and this is the only way. Uh, and those kind of that openness in the culture is uh, uh, particularly with uh, with your generation. I think is really coming along in a lot of ways that it, that is going to be uh, the way of life soon I think <laughs> we, we can't uh, keep going with this very with our blinders on and narrow mindset of something this has to be this way yes we need to open up open up to the world and and open up to change and that we can change and transform uh, ourselves into uh, adapt to uh, the new new environments that we live in so true and uh, you know going back to singing for me it's an expression of of who I am, but also for me, it's it's prayer. It's prayer for me. So, the art that you do, Gary, what what kind of messages do you try to portray through your art, or is it just an expression? Is is there is there really no? Me- it, I'm curious about that. You know, what are you expressing when, when you're making a piece of art? Well, uh, I don't know if you haven't seen hot glass being worked. It, it's it's a beautiful process and. Uh, for me, it was uh, almost hypnotic just when I was starting, <laughs> and mm. I get into a state where it's a conversation with a material, and it's as if the material is speaking to me. It has its own desire, especially on the level that I work, which is not very controlled. It, uh, it's, it's all it's the very old way of uh, working glass. Uh, um, you just gave me chills. <laughs> you know, I, I, I'm, I'm a big fan of John Mayer because uh-huh. his guitar playing is amazing and he brings back classic rock into today's generation. And he had a, a, a social media post the other day. He was talking about his when he travels, he doesn't even travel with an amp anymore. He just has his, his electric guitar and he just plays it unplugged. And he says, you know, I get to the hotel room, I put my guitar down and... I just I pick her I pick her up. He says that almost right. like personifying it when when it's time to have a conversation with her. Yeah. And I'm like, oh, <laughs> so good. So yeah, that well, is. Well, the, the, there's a certain uh, you know prayerful attitude. It's a respect for you know uh, something outside of myself, and and it it takes a lot of attention. And you know I, my own practice of uh, opening up to um, a higher level of intelligence uh, is a prayerful attitude, and that that. Is where my um, my abilities come from. That's where the talent comes from. It really is. I mean, I'm not. I don't think any of us are born with it. It comes from this higher source and and comes through me. When you get a, when you get out of your you get out of your get own out way. of your own way exactly. And then uh, it's like what we were talking. The ego is what kind of dampens us down. But if we can open up to and opening up to a material, really learning from uh, not being the you know kind of submitting in a way submitting to the this that you're just part of the picture you know including yourself in the picture but you're just part of it and there's more to it and that's uh, uh in a way the whole world is praying if you can open up to that oh that's beautiful it's beautiful gary i want to talk a little bit more about the work that you're doing and this project that you started in 2013, the Junkyard Glass Project, and like we had described earlier, when when you were in those early days, you had the you know the epic beard, just starting out, you know, just enjoying it organically, not really knowing where 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 your work was going to take you. 
to this now this this beautiful career and and you explain it of course life ups and downs all the in-betweens throughout these these 40 years you know it, it takes a, a certain amount of experience it takes a certain amount of wisdom to say with what you're doing in life to to recognize and that could happen in an instant or it could take a certain amount of time and to say let you know i'm going to take my my work my my craft my art in this direction uh to to now give back because uh, you already are giving back through your art that people because people take they could buy a piece of your art and and the way that you look at it they're going to experience it in a whole different way mm-hmm. that's what's be- beautiful about art so this this junkyard glass project that the, you know the socially environmentally responsible business that you have going on I'd, I'd love for you to tell everybody about this okay well it's it's something i've recently uh taken on it, it's not like i don't do my other work you know, also with it but uh uh, my art, more artwork, but uh, this was something that started uh, in actually in 2009. Both my wife and I had serious medical issues, so <laughs> and it inhibited my working, and uh, mm. and then uh, we were kind of it was very difficult. Both you know brain surgery and open heart surgery, and then wow. I had two teenage daughters at home, and uh, everything became very fragile and brittle for a while there, and I just. At uh, one point, my daughters were doing a high school uh, project on recycling, and we went to the local uh, junkyard, the auto scrapyard, and just poking around, looking at all the interesting things there, and, and noticed this broken glass on the ground, and I said, isn't that interesting? It looks kind of like diamonds in the dirt there, you know? It was very, they're very beautiful, just because it tempered glass breaks in these little chunks of, you know, little cubes, uh, safety glass, and... My girl said, "Oh yeah, that's that's kind of beautiful, actually." So we we gathered some up, took it back to the studio, and uh, began f- fusing uh, fusing it together in an oven to kind of make to experiment with it, try to see what we could make out of it. And then uh, in 2013, I'm just smiling because I love hearing about this. What you do, Gary, this is awesome. <laughs> well, we went ahead and did a Kickstarter. We did a crowdfunding uh, campaign and raised ten thousand dollars to wow. develop products. And I featured my whole family got involved with it just for, for you know, it's kind of a healing project for us. It's, a, you know, the idea of fusing broken pieces together really is a metaphor for what we were going through as a family. And and then it just sure. kept growing out of that. It's like the 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 possibilities really have have ex- expanded. And I kept saying, well, if this this helped us so much, just, you know, not that we got the, we got some incentive with the crowdfunding and, Started selling to. I took it to some shows, and we signed up with some catalogs to the point where now I'm, uh, Amazon uh, reached out to to us uh, earlier this year because wow uh, we had a crowdfunded uh, project, and they opened this new section on Amazon uh, called Amazon Launchpad, which is just specific, specifically to feature crowdfunded products. So they were reaching out, and we were because we were successful. They gave us all this. Uh, Room on their site for free content and wow. uh, That's awesome. uh, video, extra pictures, more description, and uh, all these things that would cost if you approach them would cost quite a bit of money. Uh, they they were offering it to us and then have featured featured the the bowl that I'm working uh, with the selling on Amazon. But uh, really, it, it's to me the project has is is was also the inspiration to form a local nonprofit and and. Uh, we want to take that and use it to. It's, a, it's simply made. Um, I've engineered the process to be 
trainable. Anybody can do it, really. And, and one of the directions would be to even to take it into other countries to help third world uh, uh, countries uh, take this waste material. Yeah, there's, there's and a make term. Something out of it. You know, can you describe this term? I was really interested by it, this term upcycling. Okay, that's upcycling is instead of recycling, we're taking it and making a better product, making something more beautiful out of a waste material. So it's not recycling is uh, connotes just going, uh, you know, taking a, a broken bottle and making another bottle out of it. But we're actually making something uh, from a material that would be landfilled. Uh, broken tempered glass can't be uh, recycled, so it goes into the landfill. So what we did is uh, take that out of the landfill stream and make something beautiful out of it. And I've sourced just within five miles of my house and studio, I've sourced over a ton of it. So I figure there's quite a bit out there that <laughs> is ready to be upcycled into uh, yes. beautiful products. So we make bowls, mirrors, clocks, soap dishes. We're constantly coming up. My daughters are both in college now, so they just email me some ideas. Oh, wouldn't that be cool if you made this out of it? You know. <laughs> <laughs> so we're expanding the expanding the product line of, of that. And my hope is to actually use it to as uh, a project that I would give to this makerspace that I've been working on, which is uh, a local project to repurpose some buildings from an old prison that the state of New York gave to Warwick. They closed it down and they gave it to our small town and it includes a number of buildings that uh, some of which are not uh, useful immediately so because they were agricultural buildings but they would be a really great house for a lot of local artists, artisans and craftsmen and artists uh, to uh, come together and really take uh, for build a, a, a creative community here that could take show a responsible uh, uh, to the environment and to the local, you know, by inviting people in uh, to the studio, have it open access, and even to the possibility of, you know, we're reaching out to veterans groups locally and uh, the retired population, which is going to be booming. You know, it's already quite a bit of a large part of our demographic are retired people, right. at least over over 55. We have several over 55 communities and. Uh, that, and you know, the word is that many of them are looking for interesting things to do, and many of them are that I've run into. And so we're reaching out to include the entire community, from the immigrants up to the retired, <laughs> the retired people. So great. Uh, it it and the beauty of the makerspace concept it is that it has that inclusive and diverse. It shows diversity as strength, and we really I, I think as a as a creative community that's our strong point that we can include everybody and in a non-judgmental way and uh, bring out the, the innate talents and the, call it the value of everybody as a resource and we really want to uh, highlight that as part of the project and thus we formed a nonprofit and uh, are able to these buildings are going to be rent free and tax free the town has, has supported us with that and we're in the process of raising the money to renovate them to be up to code and uh, we've uh, gotten a lot of support. Everybody wants it to happen. It's just, it's a new concept for many of the older generation to, uh, uh, so we're having, and we're developing revenue streams. We want to be a self-supporting nonprofit, self-sustaining. So we've uh, developed a, a several different revenue streams, uh, one is which is a marketplace for, for local vendors uh, to test market products if they come up with ideas. 
and with all the new tools that with 3D printing and CNC cutting, you can prototype all kinds of very interesting things and test market them on a small scale before you take it out into the world. Uh, and wow. There's, so there's many, you know, right from the Boy Scouts on up, they're, they're all looking at these new tools. Uh, even high school kids, you know, they've got a little maker thing going with the high schoolers with uh, the, the, what used to be shop class in high school is now tech class, you know, and the STEM programs and all that. So uh, they're really encouraging that uh, the engineers to come out too, include call themselves creative people. Engineering is a very creative field these days, you know. It's not the old, um, it's not your father's engineering anymore, you might say. <laughs> oh, my gosh, and it's changing so so quickly. There's so quickly, yeah. Then people need to adapt to that change, and the new format of a makerspace is, shows so, so much flexibility because it's, it's inherently uh, 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 uninstitutionalized, you might say. It, it embraces innovation rather than the usual institutional format, which kind of dampens it down. So yes. we're very hopeful and optimistic that it's going to happen in uh, the near future. And we're close enough to the Brooklyn. We call it we're Brooklynizing Warwick, you know, because <laughs> <laughs> of all that's happening down there. Oh, man. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of art and just incredible you know, entrepreneurship and, and growth. Yeah, it's really what's pretty amazing what's happening in Brooklyn. Yeah, the makerspace concept includes everything from making your own pickles to beer making to uh, having it. We want to have a test kitchen. Uh, we have all the room for all of this, you know, and people wow. are standing up out of the community. So it's even more than just, we call it artisan, artisanal, you know. So like in, uh, like in Brooklyn, everything has an artisanal feel to it where yes. – Taking old family recipes and making uh, uh, different food products, or you know, if your father was a plumber, you're you know, learning how to design new plumbing fixtures with, you know, with the small scale to make it custom. And there's just many opportunities here for for the whole community to be under one big roof in a way that of a creative community. And uh, so, and the, and the junkyard glass fits right into that because I would. My hope is to offer that as a as a, another revenue stream to the project, you know, to because it has the story, you know, the story behind it is great, and and seeing that story expand out into the into the community and provide benefits for the whole community would be a great thing. That's my mission for it, you know, my aim for it. Look, Gary, you know, and that's what's inspired me right now, just listening to you tell this 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 story, and really not really just story, but what your your life is, is that. That's the definition, guys, of what the show is, what the positivity effect is. Actually, the, the beautiful definition that you gave uh, after I described the positivity effect and when you said you were reflecting before you came on the show is, you're, of course, you're no stranger to adversity. You're no stranger to the, the downs as well, as well as the ups. You've, you've had great times. You've, you told me you've had some really difficult times. And even just the, the story you shared about you and your wife and everything that you guys were going through. and. Here you are. You're sharing your your talents, your your gifts, the, the the work that you put into this world, and and now, guys, creating that ripple effect, which is that ripple effect of positivity by creating this maker space and and sharing the gifts in that way, and and that's really at the end of the day, that's what it's all about. It's sharing our gifts and and creating that ripple effect that that even when we're not here, it's it's creating that effect beyond into the next generation. So. Gary, thank you so much, you know, for for the work that you do, and it's very inspiring. And and uh, just from 
our mutual friend just connecting with him and hearing about you know how how he he's inspired by the work that you do it's it's really great so i just want to ask you we're at the end of today's interview i just want to ask you one last question mm-hmm. i ask everybody it's kind of like a time capsule question because who knows where in the universe or altered universe this is a the sound wave and sound bite is going to be floating <laughs> is if you were suddenly at the end of your life and you were reflecting on all that you've done, created, been through, what kind of impact would you want to be remembered for? Or sometimes people tell me that I don't want to be remembered for anything. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know, it, it's an interesting question because I just was at a funeral yesterday for my mother-in-law. And, my condolences, my condolences. Uh, thank you, which I was pondering it and I spoke a little bit about how you know even even in death death actually brings people together and to understand that this idea of the, our fellow man and it, from the perspective that we're all going to die uh, that has exactly what you said a ripple effect it goes beyond it we don't even know how far it travels this this uh this kind of unity uh, that you experience when I mean we all we're all in this room and there's someone uh, my mother-in-law's up there and we we all feel ourselves there and it's palpable in the room when a group of people is together feeling themselves there yes and that and I even said there I said you know that this this goes beyond these walls. And how? Uh, and she learned that by being part of that community. She's this, you know, my my wife is Italian, you know, full blood Italian, and she lost her father in ninety in the mid nineties. And my mother in law, Joe, she could have you know, sort of withered away, got put the black dress on, you know, <laughs> sort of sat on the porch and wanted everybody around her to wait on her, you know, and closed down in her life. But my wish for myself and for everybody is to see. The, near the end of their life to to open that it's expanding and the death is yes the, an impulse that happens for all of us and it's this it's the moment when we really start to live is my my belief and that's to my touch on it is that we life and death are ongoing all the time in our in us and the, the things that really bring us together are kind of that impulse that knows that we're going to die and really opens up to the world in a much broader way. It's like a piece of glass. It's always in motion, whether it's solid or when you heat it, and it's, it's in even more flux. There's, it's always in yeah. motion and, 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 and transparent. transparent. We become transparent to ourselves, and that, that's kind of dying to yourself in a way, but at the same time, starting to live for the first time, if, you, if that makes sense to anybody. So true. Love it. So love it. <laughs> Gary, thank you so much for coming on. This, this has been a great, great conversation, even for myself, selfishly. I love it. It was so much fun having you on. And guys, please check out some of his work, some of the stuff he's done. It's really just incredible. It's very inspiring. Yeah, junk, junkyard Glass, Amazon.com or GenetiGlass.com or websites. Let's see what I do. Gary, thank you so much, man. Tom, thank you for having me. I really appreciate the conversation. Absolutely. And we'll talk soon. Take care. Okay. You too.